Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs, and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. And of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. I would have to assume, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth and you, you know, that's why I'm interviewing you, (laughs) but you know, having a mom who is a real estate agent and a dad who owned a small business, you know, being entrepreneurs, there's something I would have to assume that subconsciously gets buried into you because you're watching them go and try to make things work, having a family, having a home, building businesses. Do you think that's played any role in your resiliency? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I never even... Like growing up, I didn't even know the word entrepreneur. Like seriously, like my parents never told me, hey, you need to start a business. You need to get into real estate. They never said that. Um, It was always around baseball and that they knew that was my passion. They knew like I had the talent to to pursue a career in that. And like that could be way bigger than any of the other stuff they were doing. Hmm. So they they were never telling me to do that. So you know, when I became an entrepreneur, it was literally out of necessity, you know, in 2010, I got drafted by the Oakland A's and, you know, in the minor leagues, you only make 1200 bucks a month at that time. So I was like, well, I need to freaking make some money somehow. So what am I going to do? And I looked at my options and I'm like, well, I can't get a job because I won't have time to practice. I won't have time to work out and do the things I got to do. And I'm going to go leave for six months out of the year. So who's going to hire me? right? Mm -hmm. Who's going to hire me with the demands that I have, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I was like, they're not. So I got to figure out basically like a side hustle or something that I can control my own time with. And, you know, I I got my real estate license because I I remember seeing my mom just kind of work whenever she wants. And I always thought it was weird because 
my dad went to work every day. Like, you know, he managed a small business, so he was at work, but my mom was just at home all the time. And I'd be like, man, she like does whatever she wants. This is great. So let me become a realtor. And um, yeah, I learned I didn't like being a realtor and all that stuff. But, you know, long story short, I think subconsciously what happened for me wasn't that, hey, I need to be an entrepreneur. I think what I really desired was to control my time. Mm -hmm. And I did not like anyone else controlling my time or telling me what to do. I've never liked people telling me I had to do something and or being obligated to do something. Um, I want to do things that I want to do. And so I think entrepreneurship gives you that freedom if you do it right. And um, that that would probably be the biggest thing. Because like I also remember back to go back to uh, the baseball games and my dad showing up to every game and my mom and and we going on these trips, I, I noticed other kids' parents didn't do that. You know, other kids' parents couldn't do it because they were working. They had to go to their job. And I remember sitting there like, man, that kind of sucks. Mm. You know, so I, I think it's the time thing for me, really. Yeah, uh, I'm very much the same way. <laughs> I hate being told what to do. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, you know, I think know thyself is probably the most important aspect of life. Uh, I'm very stubborn. It is the singular thing that drives me forward and the very thing that also stops me. So I'm <laughs> cognizant of that. And so I need people to rein me in sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I do think about those moments like winning tournaments, uh, wrestling or championships, playing football when I was a kid. And like my mom was never there. Right. right. Battling her own issues with drugs and alcohol. And I'd be there and I'd see the kids whose parents would come and well, it's interesting. I don't remember being jealous of those kids. I just remember being like, that's so cool that their parents are here. Mm -hmm. What do you think are the most important lessons your parents have taught you? Good question. So, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, and obviously, I think that's the number one thing that was imparted on me um, from an early age. You know, I grew up in the church. Um, you know, I don't have a crazy story about like, uh, rebelling and running away from faith. Like, you know, some people who grew up in the church do, um, I was just always very faithful and I knew like I wanted to serve God and be obedient and, and, you know, just live my life, um, in a way pleasing to him. So that would be the number one thing hands down, you know, cause even like watching my parents, like, they didn't drink, they didn't smoke, you know, they were super loving. They're still together today. Wow. You know, it, it doesn't mean that they haven't had issues. They've had plenty of issues, you know. Sure. Um, you know, my mom uh struggled with gambling here in Vegas for a long time, mm. you know, like the, they've they've had plenty of issues and and you know, they've had plenty of ups and downs with business. You know, in 2008, they both literally lost everything. You know, my dad lost all of his businesses. My mom lost, you know, basically all of her clients. They had some rental properties. They lost all those. The childhood home I grew up in, they lost it. Mm. So, you know, they literally lost everything. And, you know, my parents, I remember when I got drafted, they were really like hoping that I would be the savior to kind of get the family out of this problem. And, you know, it didn't work out that way with baseball. It ended up working out that way later on with business. But, uh, you know, they never recovered from that loss. You know, my mom like was never the same realtor after that. You know, my dad uh, never started a business again after that. Um, now, thankfully, you know, they're retired now. I I've retired them. And, you know, my dad actually works for me because he wants to. And yeah. so, 
you know, it's great. And my mom uh, just kind of like helps with the kids and hangs out and stuff. So, um, you know, long story short, what, what did they teach me? I think, uh, obviously faith was the biggest thing. Um, you know, and all the things that come along with faith, like having integrity and, you know, being morally sound, all of those things. Uh, I think hard work was a thing. Um, I've always been a hard worker and, you know, I watched my dad do it. You know, he was an extremely hard worker. And, you know, when I looked at um, what he, uh, I'll say, actually, the biggest thing that I probably learned was like what true love looks like, mm. you know, because my parents like showed me love all the time. And like they showed it through serving, they showed it through sacrifice, they showed it through discipline, they showed it through, you know, their actions. Um, and so, you know, when I look at myself as a parent today, you know, we got a third kid on the way. Oh, wow. Congrats. Thank you. Um, I know how to model like what being a good dad looks like. Cause he was there for me, you know, every baseball game and, you know, even today and all the stuff I do in business, like he's, he's my biggest cheerleader. And, um, you know, it, it's like that for me is the biggest thing. Like, man, how can I love you know, not only my kids and my family and my wife, but my employees, you know, the people who come to my events, like, how do I show them like what true love looks like? Mm. Is there a moment with your parents that would define that love? Uh, a moment. <laughs> it's funny. Cause like I, when you first asked me about like the first moment in my life, I couldn't think of like an exact moment. It was just like, a broad general idea and then like even though i'm thinking now i'm like man I, I can't like pinpoint a single moment um but it goes back to now that i understand myself so much better as a visionary i'm not detail oriented mm -hmm. i'm like big picture yeah like i don't know how it's gonna happen but we're gonna make it happen right and then like all my integrators in my companies are super detailed they could be like this happened on this date that's what needs to go down here you know, this is missing a number that like they're so detail oriented and I'm so not. So like, I just think back in like very broad, big picture type deals. So it's, it's like hard for me to even think of a singular moment. I yeah. remember having this moment where I sat down with my three best friends at the time. This was heading into almost a decade ago now. We're very, very close to that window. And I had reached that point. You just used a great terminology. Like I had burst it open. I was like, I cannot be this person anymore. Right. And, and it was really an uprooting of all the things that I had known at the time. But when I made that choice and I made that decision, it was in, in a lot of ways, it felt like learning to love myself, right? This was really the first time I was like, I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm not going to be codependent. I'm not going to be a doormat. Most of this language I didn't have then, obviously. I was just like, I got to do something differently. Right. And, and I looked at that time period and I was like, okay, like, how do you actually tap into this? Because a lot of people start the journey and they make it a day or a week or six months even. And then it's like, boom, they're ripped right back into that old identity, that old version of themselves. How did you continue to go forward into being you? You know, it was interesting because I was going on this path quietly, not really knowing where it was going to take me, 
probably on some level hoping everything would stay as it was. And there were massive things that happened along the way that told me otherwise. There was um, my my ex-husband at the time wasn't showing up for me mentally, emotionally, you know, just kind of like a revisiting of my childhood right there. We were having problems. And it wasn't until my father died and he decided he needed to go on, you know, a golfing journey with his friends and bike riding journey and not show up that I finally said, you know, I'm always there for his family. My father was such a sweet man. I mean, he he was an alcoholic, but he, you know, he had his struggles and to not show up for him. And he died very, very quickly of cancer. And I said, you know, you could do that to me, but you can't do that to him. And something in me again switched. So I needed something like that harsh to do it. And then on top of it, I was just then at that point, we had moved to California and that shifted me hugely because I land in California. I'm like, what? Organic fast food restaurant? <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my gosh, these are my people. Like things like this that were little parts of my life just started to feed me and call me even more. So I began to go to school in the evening for massage therapy and I became a Reiki practitioner all while I was doing IPO trading for Solomon Smith Barney in the middle of the day, you know, in the daytime. And then I decided, you know what, I am, I've got to leave. I've got to leave this financial industry. I'm going to do it in October. And it was like February. I'm like, I was sensing that shifts were happening at work as well. So sure enough, like I, I bought the plane tickets. I paid for my schooling in Beijing and for traditional Chinese medicine for Twina. And I'm like, I just have to tell them between now and then. And within a month, they called me into the office and said, we have to let you go. They left my computer off because I could have made trades that would have totally messed them up. So they said, we have to let you go. And there is no reason. We're going to give you a check. We are going to pay for your insurance for the next year. And that was it. So it was almost like I had to build the life and I just uh, really had to not look back. I had to almost like, if you build it, they will come type of a thing. And I built it. And then all of a sudden, these things started to fall into place for me. And I'm not saying that happens to anybody all the time. But I was after my father died, I was getting at a point in my life where I was like, you know what? I, what am I doing? It was I was so unhappy where I was at. The marriage was was off the work was off, all of it was off. Yeah. So much of it, I think is like just the pursuit into the new version of you is going to be supported by the energy of the the universe. Right. right. And, and I look at, you know, I, I share this story a lot, probably too much. So, but w when I think about a lot of the things that I've been able to accomplish, they really all started with being like an eight-year-old boy, stilling water to survive. And being like, when I'm a grown up, my life won't be like this. And these moments, it's it's so strange because until you tap, energy is a word that when I, I want to go into this because this is what I keep hearing and I keep filling in this conversation with you. Energy is this word that I used to be like, that is the thing I've ever heard of. Right. What is wrong? What are you talking? Get your hippie away from me. like this is like in my head the conversations i'm having right. where people bring this up and right. and then what i started to do was i started tapping deeper into the reality of the world that we're in and and i remember one day i was probably like 26 or 27 i just kind of started 
dabbling into becoming this version of myself. And I was standing on the back deck of, of the house I used to have. And I remember looking up at, at the moon. It was like one of those super full bright moons and you can see all the star. And I was just like, there's something here that doesn't make sense. And I, I kept thinking to myself, like, what is this? Like, why do we exist? Why are we here? I still do not have an answer. But what I, what I did realize in that moment was that there is energy in the world that surrounds everything, every living creature, being, animal, fruit, vegetable, plant, whatever. And you have to be willing to tap into it and touch it. And it's weird, right? Especially right. at the beginning. But, but I know that you talk about this concept that everything is energy first. You will probably be far more articulate in explaining what I feel around energy. And so what does that mean? And what role has that played in your life? Because obviously there's all this supporting energy, movement, momentum in the universe being like, oh yeah, you want to go to Beijing and get the ticket and go in October? Well, guess what? You're fired. Let, let us help you. Right. Right. Well, I am an HSP. Have you ever heard of what that is? Highly sensitive person, Dr. Elaine Aaron's work? Yep. Okay. Uh, but please explain it for those who haven't. Oh, yes. Okay. So I, I wasn't aware of this, you know, growing up at all. It, you know, this is just something that came into my, uh, my understanding in the, over the past uh, few years. But an HSP, highly sensitive person, is somebody you're born, inborn with these specific traits. Like they're measurable in your brain as for how you function in the world, how basically how you take information in and process it. It's very different. And typically, uh, in, you know, the way that we could see this in ancient times, like the tribes people, it was somebody who was, you could call him an oracle. You could call him a medicine man. You could call him somebody that could say, you know what, maybe we want to do our crops over here, or we sense something's coming. Maybe it's time that we leave, you know, storms are coming. Somebody who could tell the tribe, what's going on. And every man, woman, creature has this capacity within them. And so it's, it really means that essentially that we sense things on a very different level. So when I grew up in that childhood, again, you know, it wasn't maybe that type of physical, too much of the physical. I mean, there was that, but there was all these energetic threads, you know, that were um, that I read, that I interpreted, that I understood, that just weren't spoken. And on top of it, when I was younger, I would have dreams all the time. And I remember telling my mother who, uh, who raised me, oh my gosh, I, re I remember going to this house and I told her what it looked like. And we pulled up and she just sat there and froze. And as I got older, these things would still happen. And so I would say, what is this? And so now we look at energy, kind of like you said, that hippy dippy thing, like, what is that all about? But it's really quantum physics. Everything is energy first. And so when I um, am in a room, I sense people, I hear people, I don't just hear the words that they say, I feel them. And so no doubt as a child, who knows, you, were, you could have been sensing what was going on at that time in the neighborhood, in your life, the people you're connected to, that's called non-local entanglement as well. It's a measurable thing now, but before we just all called it energy. And I think that 
Uh, first off, it's incredible. And part of that might be your mindset already coming into this, like looking at this idea of failure, perhaps even not even labeling that in your own experience. Like I got to pay this mortgage. I can't get the career. I got the degree that's seemingly useless, even though I've done all this work. Okay. I'm not going to let that stop me. And what I hear in this is this idea of taking like radical acceptance and responsibility for your for life, sure. right? Why, sure. why does that actually matter, Travis? Because people hear this, but they don't listen. Like, why does radical acceptance and responsibility actually matter? Dude, if, if you can't take responsibility for anything, then how do, you, how do you improve? How do you change? How do you grow? How do you get better? If, if nothing's ever your fault and everything's out of your control, then I guess we should just keep blowing through life and hope that the universe does us right and puts good opportunities in front of us and when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. you know, sets us up for success. And to me, that's just a really disempowering way of moving throughout life. If you, if nothing's up to you, then how do you make it better? You know what I mean? And, uh, and, and a lot of times what you see is people who love to take responsibility when things are going well, but hate taking responsibility when things are going poorly. And, uh, and I think also people get the, the notion that if they take responsibility, that means it's their fault. And that's not what it means. You know, it's like well, people will come up with these crazy extenuating circumstances like, well, what about this crazy situation of abuse that happened to me when I was a kid? It was complete. Like, I'm, am I responsible for that? And it's like, well, well, I mean, you're responsible for that going forward. Yes. But was that your fault? No. Like, you don't you don't have to take fault for that. That was not your fault. But now you do have the responsibility to decide what are you going to do about it moving forward? Meaning that, you know, if you look back to my story in particular, you know, was it my fault that I was, you know, pushed into this career path and into a college that provided me with a useless degree upon leaving that I would never be able to use in real life? And I had to figure out my career after, you know, being in a position where I was married and had a mortgage to pay. Like, like, is that my fault that I was in that situation? Probably not. You might be able to argue that I was because I was an adult when I made those decisions. But I mean, literally my entire life, my brain was programmed to think a certain way. And that's the, the actions that I took were based on the thoughts and behaviors and mindset that I was taught growing up. But regardless of whose fault it was at that point in time, it was 100% my responsibility to figure out what I was going to do about it. Because what's the alternative? The alternative is to sit there, whine and complain about the fact that, uh, that uh, you know, poor me, because I grew up this way in this weird culture that nobody really understands or gets or, under, or, 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 or can empathize with. And, uh, so now, you know, I'm not set up for life. Like my friend that I met last week who was raised in this other household, uh, in a different part of the country and got 
into this Ivy League school and became a lawyer and has a great, uh, you know, career on Wall Street. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't set up for that. So may as well just sit here and feel sorry for myself. Like, I just don't understand what the alternative to taking responsibility is. Like, what, where do you think that's going to land you? It's only going to land you in a worse situation where you're feeling even worse for yourself. And, uh, and then, you know, you end up not doing anything in life and then you end up being that, you know, old person full of regret, full of remorse and sitting there still blaming all of the other things and people and circumstances and events and everything that happened in your life um, for your lack of success and your lack of happiness and your lack of fulfillment. And to me, like it, it doesn't matter what situation you're born into. You can sit there and wish all day that you were born into a different situation or that you had different opportunities or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, you're the only one that has to wake up in the morning and look yourself in the mirror and be you. So you better figure it out and start thinking about the solution to the problem and not just continuing to stew on the problem because it just doesn't do anything. Just doesn't do anything. Doesn't help anybody. Yeah, it's powerful. And, you know, I, I'm, I raised my hand first as being guilty of playing the victim role, finding myself at this complete, utter rock bottom, blaming the world, blaming homelessness as a child, the circumstance I've been through, you know, all of the world because it's your fault, your fault, your fault. And then I started taking responsibility. And the truth of it is like, we're not culpable for the things that happen to us as we're in developmental or, and even sometimes in life, you know what I mean? But there's that point where you do have to say, I'm going to be the hero of my own story. Cause guess what? There's no Disney moment. Nobody's coming to save you. Your life isn't magically going to be different. Right. And I, I, if I had a magic pill, dude, that's what it would be because that's the key right there. What you just said, like, you've got to take responsibility. I was listening to you having a conversation about listening to Guy Raz and talking about this idea of dealing with and handling rejection. I have a theory that one of the reasons that people have such a difficult time with taking responsibility is this idea of rejection and embarrassment. And I know that in your own personal journey, like building businesses, trying things, knocking on doors, as someone who used to sell Cutco, I know that you have probably dealt with a litany of rejection and potential embarrassment. How do you deal with that in your life to catapult yourself forward? That's a good question, man. Um, I, I, so much of, so much of, I think success in business and sales and making money in general has to do with your ability to, uh, get rejected and then move on and try it again and continue to persist. And so the, the biggest, the, the, the in a short period of time, the best way that I can help anybody listening to this handle rejection a little bit better is that the uh, rejection, the, the pain of rejection is really just a symptom of a greater problem. If you're getting rejected and it hurts you to the point where you're like quitting things or you're almost quitting things or you're constantly thinking about quitting things because the rejection hurts too bad, that's just the symptom of the greater problem. And the greater problem is your lack of self-confidence. Self-confidence is the root of the rejection problem. And so it's your responsibility to, uh, to realize that this is why this rejection is hurting me because my confidence level is just too low to be able to, to, re to recoup from. So I look at it kind of like a bank account. Every time you get rejected, it's like a withdrawal from your bank account. It's, a, it's something debited from your account. But you can make deposits into that account just like you can make uh, 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 withdrawals from that account. 
And so a few ways to do that is to start depositing more into your self-confidence. So listening to a podcast like you're listening to right now uh, can help increase your self-confidence because you're learning something. You're, you're increasing your knowledge. The more knowledge you gain in an industry or a field that you're not familiar with, the more confident you'll be in your ability to navigate that field or that industry. So gaining knowledge, learning, getting new information, reading a book, listening to a podcast, that's going to be a deposit in your self-confidence bank. Um, there's uh, the consistency that's going to be uh, a deposit in your self-confidence bank. Yeah, I've done this a bunch of times, you know, and I'm still alive. I, I didn't get hurt. Like thinking about the worst case scenario a lot helps me deposit into my self-confidence bank. Like what's the absolute worst case scenario? Even when I was knocking on doors, the absolute worst case scenario is I knock on the store and they tell me to get the, their porch. Like, is that really that big of a deal? No, because the next guy probably isn't going to be that mean. The odds of that happening twice in a row are pretty low. So now I'm going to just go to the next house and see, you know, what it is like just imagining the worst case scenario to me and then like putting myself in that scenario and then understanding that, you know what, I think I'm going to be okay if that happens. You know, if this person says no, that's the worst case scenario. They said no. Okay. Who cares? Move on to the next person. Somebody's going to say yes. You know what I mean? So uh, think about the worst case scenario as a deposit, but hands down, the best way to deposit into your self-confidence account is to keep the promises that you make to yourself. And this is why I think people have a huge problem with rejection and with confidence in general is that they don't even like themselves. If you don't like yourself because you don't trust yourself, then how can you convince other people to like you and trust you? And that's the crux. That, that's the crux of all business. That's where business happens is when people know, like, or trust you or know, like, and trust you. So if you don't even like yourself, if you don't even trust yourself because you subconsciously know that you keep breaking promises to yourself over and over again, uh, then you're going to you're going to portray or display that energy to other people and they're going to pick up on that. Like something's not trustworthy about this guy. Something's not trustworthy about this girl because you don't even trust yourself because you said that you were going to, you know, name it, right? You said you were going to read a book this month and you, and you got to the first chapter and you never did anything else and then you gave up on it. You were going to wake up at, six o'clock for the next week and then you didn't do it on day two or you said that you were going to you know go to the gym whatever it is fill in the blank even if it's the smallest possible thing if you didn't keep that promise that you made to yourself because you're over committing all the time to these all these promises and all these commitments and all these goals that you're setting because you hear these are good things to do but you never follow through on any of them you are consistently telling yourself that you are not trustworthy and that's why you don't like yourself. That's why you don't trust yourself. And that's why you don't have any self-confidence. And that's why it hurts so bad when other people reject you. Because every time someone rejects you, it's just a validation of your subconscious thoughts about your own self, which is I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of somebody's trust. Because if you don't even do, believe those things about yourself, somebody else like confirms that, that's when that's big pain. Like that's a big withdrawal from that self-confidence account. And I don't know if this is holding true for you or something you've experienced, but I, I realize like one of the most important things in self-care is doing what you said you're going to do. Now, a big part of that's reparenting, obviously, but it, it's like the people who know me best in my personal life, they know that when I say I'm going to do something, it's done. And that to me has just become not only a badge of honor, but just proof that I used to be a guy who was unreliable to everyone all the time, but especially myself. And through this healing journey and through so many of the things that we talk about, it's different. So I'm wondering if, if a big part of this 
for you has also just been in self-accountability and navigating that. Yeah, it is, because I think that I hold true to what I say to other people, you know, but I think it's 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 too like it's. I think part of why it's coming up, too, is because I've, you know, it's just been in like the past two years that I really feel like I'm stepping into my purpose, too. You know, so I think that that brings up a lot of things. I think one thing that's interesting that you say, too, about, you know, just being angry at yourself, I think. Also, what happens is, you know, as kids, it's not safe to um, outwardly express our anger towards our parents. And so we redirect that like at ourselves, too. And so I think it's also like looking at like, is this is this anger misdirected at myself, you know? Yeah, no, I do know. And it's what's really interesting is. As you were saying that, my thought was if I got angry at my parents, I might as well just plan on crying and getting my kick the rest of the day. What an odd thing that as children, we don't have the safety to have emotional connection at that level, right? Because of our parents and the choices and decisions that they make. Whereas now I'm like, I encourage, like when I'm coaching my clients, I'm like, yeah, be angry. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have to hide from it because if you hide from anger, you're not going to know love. My my thought on it is how in the world can you experience any emotion if you cannot experience all the emotions? Mm-hmm. And and that's been a good journey for me. And I would imagine, like, I, I don't know what it was like for you, but how did you find the safety to have emotions? Because I imagine being that young and stepping into drugs and alcohol in the way that I did, it's a turnoff valve. So how'd you get the valve turned back on? You know, in my family, it was like, it was only like certain emotion. Like, what did I see? I think it, for me, it's been slow to, um, to release like the, the sadness. That's been like the thing that's been the most difficult for me to tap into. And I would say it's really been in the past year or so that the tears are finally really starting to come because what I saw in my home growing up was, um, either like anger or numbness right so um it's 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 tapping into that sadness and i think it's just been i think it's just a natural process of like of of recovery and and healing and um i think that our body and our psyche just knows when it's safe for certain things to start to come up, you know? And really getting an understanding of like what it is that I'm that I'm really feeling or what is the underlying fear or beliefs to kind of get clarity on that allows for me to get like clarity on what are the emotions that I'm feeling, you know? How do you so how do you get clarity in it? Because I think that's a place historically I had been stuck. And I know that that is a place where many people get stuck because they're like, what is this actually? Like, how do you get clarity? How have you discovered that? A lot of like, a lot of therapy. (laughs) True. A lot of therapy and and a lot of meetings and um, yeah, 12 steps and everything, talking to other people. It's, um, 
I think it's just like a process of of doing the work, right? I don't have like a specific answer. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. It is. A, I think a lot a of it is like looking at like when I think it's like looking at trauma responses too. So really, you know, anytime I'm having like an overreaction to something, like I'm not reacting to something in in the present. That has been like one of the biggest beauties of in areas that I've been able to see my growth is that I'm really able to now identify pretty much like in the moment. Oh, you're not like you're having some sort of an emotional flashback right now. Like what you're reacting to is not what you think you're reacting to. Yeah, it never is. Like that's been the the biggest thing for me, especially probably in the last six years, five years, four years, last year is just looking at it and going, dude, the response that you're having to this either A, is not warranted or B, is so tied into something that happened 13, 23, 40 years ago, almost at this point, where it's like, what's really happening here? Is this the thing? Like, it's like the arguments, the things that we get mad at, it's, it's always about like, you don't put the keys in the right place. And I'm like, it's not about the keys. It's about the fact that this happened or that happened. And then you tie in deeper. And, and I think getting that place of in, in real time, in the presence, making meaning of that, like that's cool. It is. And here's one tool for people, because I think that that take time. And I think a lot of people might be able to recognize, hey, I'm having an overreaction, but I don't have any idea where this stems from. I think one, one good tool for that is to like keep like a trauma response log. So Anytime you're having some sort of an overreaction, you know, writing down, you know, what happened, what you were feeling in your body, what you were feeling emotionally, what were the thoughts going through your head and how did you respond? And, you know, perhaps through time, you're going to be able to kind of see some patterns and connect the dots on on what might be underlying it. No, is there, I, I think that is a great tool. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, it, you got to get pretty real with yourself to be able to step into that. And I, I hope people will honor some compassion for themselves as they navigate that world, because I have done that. And there's a lot of work in this process that sucks. Like it just, I'm going to call it what it is. It just sucks. And that's one of the things that for me sucked the most in part because like, A, I have a very stubborn personality and B, because I was having to come to realize like I can control a lot of these responses. And, and that was really interesting. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering as you, as you have created this podcast, which is absolutely incredible. And it's one of my favorite shows. And as you've had all these conversations, do you find that there are any, are there any elements of what you do that have helped you just as an interviewer or somebody having these conversations that you carry into your life? Because for me, when I'm interviewing someone, mm. like I pull tactical stuff into my life immediately. And, and I fear that, unfortunately, a lot of people are just listeners. They're not doers. And so I'm, I'm wondering, like, what is the impact that, like, having these conversations with people have in your life? Well, I just shared one, like, the, with the inner child and the outer child, you know? That's been the coolest thing about this is, and what I try to, you know, portray to my listeners, like, I don't have this figured out, you know? Like, I'm still a show. And I don't want them to ever think that, like, I know what I'm doing. Like, I don't, you know. And so that's, like, what's been really cool for me is I feel so honored that I get to do this podcast because 
like this is I'm still going through it. You know, like this is me still healing and growing. And I feel so honored that um, that I'm being supported as like as I go through this journey, like by my listeners and by my community. And um, yeah, like I get to talk to some really great people. And so that's an example. It's just all the time. I mean, sometimes you got to take some of it and, and leave the rest behind. But generally speaking, I think I have pretty good conversations but sometimes it takes a little while to sink in and I also like to get feedback from my listeners on like what they take away from the episodes because then that also you know helps me to see things through a certain perspective as well thank you so much for listening to think unbroken please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime and if you would please take five seconds to pop on itunes or spotify hit that five star leave a review and you can also reach out to us on social at michael unbroken or at think unbroken and of course you can check out our youtube channel at think unbroken thank you for being a part of unbroken nation my friends and until next time be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.